This is the 88th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me for this episode is my dear co-host Christopher Wikström. Our dear co-host Robinson Sen couldn't make the positive of all our conflicting adulting schedules this time, but we will be the full force soon again. Warm welcome to you, dear listener. Hello, friends. Let's get into some legacy. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found whenever we release on the TopTech app. In this episode, we will discuss our continued travels with staff of the Storyteller and Reanimator as we both made it to our local gaming store for weekly play. Let's start with you, Christopher, as you have another recent LGS Weekly to report from. Has it been staff all the way and what have you learned so far? So yeah, last week uh, we didn't release an episode, but I decided to keep the staff of the storyteller grind going. The week before I got a 2-1-1 result, uh, getting a draw against Maverick, because that deck really can grind. I won against the Jeskai Control and another deck that I can't remember right now, but I lost the mirror. What can you say, the staff mirror? But my opponent had a much nastier late game than me. They made some small adjustments that I really liked. Uh, They played a land tax instead of ponder number four. They played that dog planeswalker, the comet, uh, stellar pup or whatever it's called, which is just a beating in that matchup. Like you have so many things that uh, you can't pyroblast in the mirror. I should have brought in my two hydroblasts but i didn't for some reason and that dog just destroyed me land tax is so deep though yeah i loved it like it was just super nasty from that week i made some small changes to the list i cut a narset and the gideon ally of sendikar to squeeze in two timeless dragons to help with the mana Mm. and i thought these changes was were really good actually like during the whole evening playing i noticed that getting mana is quite tricky sometimes it's not nice to have to ponder for lands and stuff like that so whenever i saw timeless dragon in my hand it just felt great then i also decided to cut the caracas for a plateau and a fetch for a mystic sanctuary and mystic sanctuary was really good all evening so I'm, I'll definitely stick to that. Yeah, Mystic Sanctuary is always really good, <laughs> I find it. But it was nice to see you cycle Timeless Dragon to, to find a plateau. I felt like, wow, this is... We've come far yet again from what we are used to do. Yeah, it's it's just beautiful. My first round opponent was uh, Rug Delver. This is a matchup where you just need to answer things early. Not like you don't want to lose too much life in the end game where bolts can can get the last damage in and stuff like that. Eventually, it will lead you to a state where you can, you know, trade one for one, have your staffs and just draw ahead. Game one and three, I managed to do just this, especially in game three. It was really nice. We were just trading a lot of resources and I got a staff going and I put a Narset into play and stuff like that. So eventually when they had, you know, super committed to the board put in two Tarmogoyfs and passed. I got to brainstorm, put some nice cards back, fetch Mystic Sanctuary to put the Supreme Verdict on top, just draw into that. And I think they were sitting on one card and I I, I had a five or a six. You know, it's it's you're not coming back from that. I mean, Supreme Verdict also making really a comeback here. That card has been on the shelf for so many years, but it's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Like, sure, Terminus is really nice, but not being able to counter this spell 
is really good against Delver because you can just fetch basics, especially if you have timeless dragon, you know, getting to that fourth land, you will get there. It's just really nice. And yeah, in game two, the game I lost, my Delver just super Delvered me and it happens. We had some really cool interactions but my opponent played really tight and like I couldn't deal with it eventually. Then I was up against Grixis control. I think this matchup can be quite good. This is not your typical Grixis control. This is it's playing uh, Kaito the four mana ninja planeswalker which is it, it allows you to draw extra cards when you connect with a creature you get to return the creature to your hand and activate Kaito again. So it's a really nasty engine. Like one Baleful Strix and a Kaito is like a pseudo ancestral recall because you get to use Kaito to draw a card, connect, pick up your Strix, play it again, and then activate Kaito again. So it's just like a super nasty draw engine. In game one, I drew a lot of my lands. This is not a matchup where you want that. You want to put a lot of sets into play. You want the Teferi, and then you want your staffs to draw you out of the game. So hitting a lot of lands is very, it's not ideal. In game two, pretty similar fashion. I didn't find any of my sideboard cards. If you have played the control mirrors, especially against Grixis, you know how much how key cards like Red Elemental Blast and Hydroblast are. I couldn't find a, a single sideboard card. And my opponent, like this means that my opponent got to red blast my spells and stuff like that and just get up on mana and card advantage. So eventually I got destroyed. But you know, it happens when you're in a control mirror and your opponent starts uh, doing more efficient plays, you know it's going to end very badly for you. You have very little wiggle room in control mirrors, I think. And Grixis control, I mean, having not been very popular for quite some time, used to be a top dog deck for good reasons. It is yeah. a really good combination of colors for control. And if you don't sort of pull some key cards from your deck, that deck is just going to just dominate. Yeah, I, I think like the weakness of Grixis is green mid-range you know having access to things like Uro maybe even Veil of Summer and stuff like sure. that and if we look at uh, you know all of the Minsk and Boo control decks out there and now we've started seeing a lot of natural order rug decks and stuff like that those decks are just really hard for Grixis to deal with but when we look at the other side of the of the meta game it plays discard and counter spells and graveyard hate against uh, you know reanimator and oops all spells and stuff like that it has like the red elemental blasts in the sideboard it can play hidetsugu and meltdown for your artifact opponents and it has this spot in a meta that i think is quite underexplored and this Grixis pilot is uh, one of my closest friends and we have been brewing Grixis a lot and I think this deck is well well tuned for the meta. He's had quite some good results with it recently. I think uh, ranging from 4-0 to 3-1s. And uh, and this evening his loss was against a rug natural order deck. It's it's tough. So yeah, I'm 1-1 and then I play against the uh, Cradle Control and this is the Fiend Artisan Elves deck. They, they are playing, you know, Atraxa and stuff like that, which is just scary. In game one, I have no idea. Like my opponent, he was like, oh, so you're on staff and you know what I'm on because we sat next to each other. And I'm like, oh, no, I, I actually don't know what you're on because he was playing against an Omnitel opponent. And there was this profane, 
is it called profane tutor? Yeah, profane tutor. Yeah, there was a, a question about that. You know, you can just cast it with omniscience without suspending it. And you know, I was just watching that game for that interaction. It was just super cool. But I didn't look at what my opponent was playing. <laughs> so that was uh, stupid. He won game one. You know, Allosaurus Shepherd is uh, one hell of a card. No, wait, I actually won game one because I got the Supreme Verdict six creatures. That usually gets you there. <laughs> Value. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's like standard of 2012. Yeah, uh, like, man, I love Supreme Verdict. But he played one of these lands that I I had to be the, oh, we got a reader person. He played one of these, I think it's called like Lair of the Hydra or something. It's a land that I think enters untapped if you don't control like two other lands or something like that. But it taps for a green and then it has green and X and it becomes a xx hydra or something i don't know with trample maybe but it becomes a creature but he he only activated it once and that was i think in game three to cast a natural order but to move on game two he you know allosaurus shepherd is really hard to deal with and my opponent got one into play really early and the same turn played a fiend artisan I had one removal, which was the prismatic ending. And I was like, I need to deal with this uh, fiend artisan. This resulted in my opponent just drawing hell a lot of cards and eventually got to crater hoof me the turn before I could uh, verdict. I kept a super greedy hand. <laughs> so we were, he fought seized me on turn one and we were laughing at how greedy my hand was. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was a plains no other land this seems to be a pattern among among you staff controlled players you keep these super greedy mana light hands sort of just expecting things to work out for you so yeah i had a basic planes and i had a timeless dragon so if i draw one land i get to i i got to swords to plowshares (laughs) one thing and i had two draws to find another land you know, Christopher, a lot of people have said, if I only draw one land, then... <laughs> yeah, I'm guilty, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a part of that problem. I missed the first, the first draw, uh, like the first two draws, I missed the land. But uh, on the third turn, I did draw my land, uh, which meant that I got to Timeless Dragon. Oh, he didn't thought seize the Timeless Dragon from you? No, he thought seized a Brainstorm, so I couldn't force a will, I think. Mm, yeah. Okay. But then he... Got the crater hoof me. And the last game, I was just, yeah, no monkey business now. So I just think you saw this game, Victor. Yeah, I was watching this game. It was painful. I played played a lot of removal, boys. When you get to Supreme Verdict free creatures, that feels great. And then like on turn 14 or whatever, when you get to play a staff to get a counter, Mystic Sanctuary, back the Verdict on top, draw into it and Verdict again, just two or three other creatures when your opponent is hellbent. It's, it feels great. So yeah, I, I won 2-1 against Cradle Control. My last round opponent was against Jeskai Control, and this was like a, a Stoneblade build. So that's, that's always scary, you know, um, when they can just uh, redo things with their batter skull and stuff. But also, I know that I have better card advantage, so... I want to get into a late game where I can just fully take over. In game one, I do not know what my opponent is on, and I have to mull to four. <laughs> it's it's very hard to play a control mirror with four cards, but I managed to almost get there anyways due to a timeless dragon 
and some heavy beats with it. My opponent played Esper Sentinels, which is really annoying in this matchup. But when you get to get the beats in quick and remove their Stoneforge Mystic, you suddenly have a clock and they do not. And that's pretty pretty nice in, in this matchup. And uh, I, I got to put a Staff of the Storyteller into play and draw some card with that. But it was a bit, uh, a bit uh, he- too heavy on my mana. And in game two, on the other hand, I get to keep a six. And I get to, you know, start casting my cards. My opponent played an, an Esper Sentinel. Uh, you know, I, I got to cycle Timeless Dragon for a Plateau, which is always sweet. Because that means that I could untap and Isset Static Caster in response to my opponent fetching. So that I didn't want them to get any Red Elemental Blast shenanigans before I could put this into play. So I do get it into play. And it's going to stay in play the whole game. <laughs> I saw Esper Sentinel and Snapcaster in game one. So that's a really nice way of just removing some of those value engines. I got to play, you know, Narset. I got to play all sorts of Staff of the Storyteller, Cycle Shark Typhoon, just to draw a lot of cards with Staff. And my opponent realized quite quickly that they're not going to win this. And they actually scoop so that we have time to play the third game. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a really smart choice yeah. for them. Because yeah. they were like, if I don't scoop now, this is going to be a 1-1-1. One, one, one. So we move on to game three. We just both play value cards. I play some Staff of the Storytellers. I start drawing cards. Eventually I get to stick a Teferi when the board is empty and I get to bounce one of my Staff of the Storytellers, which is a like, massive card advantage. When they try to play their own Teferi, I have the Red Elemental Blast with Teferi backup. So you know it's, gonna, it's not going to present any problems. Eventually we get into a state where I just, I'm sitting on five mana and I pass. And I squeeze in a Wandering Emperor in their end step and make a, a token and draw a card with staff. Ooh. From here on, it's extremely hard for my opponent. You know, uh, being quite low on time, I play in a supersonic speed. Like all of my actions are, I made like 20 actions per turn, but each turn was like one minute max. <laughs> bam, bam, <laughs> oh bam, bam, bam. Yeah, I was trying to, you know, speed run. I get this, you know... I get to cycle a shark typhoon and just make a make a lot of frets while the wandering emperor makes a token plus on a token. I start getting my beats in and eventually we we reach time. My opponent has turn zero and they're on 11 life. So on my turn one, I get to hit them down for to six and I just pass the turn with a plus to fairy. I have a Wandering Emperor in play, I have two staff of the storytellers, and my opponent is sitting there with like three or four cards in hand. One is a Batter Skull and one is a Cauldra from the Stoneforge Mystics. My opponent takes their turn and just plays Stoneforge, fail to find. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's great. I cycle a Shark Typhoon. No, I didn't have to fury at this at this time because my opponent could sort the plowshares, my 4-4 shark. But I made a 4-4 shark. I could have made it bigger, but I wanted to draw two cards with my staff also. So I did that, just drew a lot of cards, untapped, prismatic ending their stoneforge, and attacked them down to one and passed back. And my opponent just scoops. I think, like I said, they were sitting on three and four, three or four cards in hand, and I was sitting on a nasty seven. And they knew that I had Pyroblast because I had Mystic Sanctured it. I had Force of Negation. Like, there was no way out of that. So I, I won round three in time. So yeah, three and one. 
And uh, I think Timeless Dragon is a really nice addition. I've seen people play it, you know, getting that token also triggers the staffs. So that's always nice. So, uh, Victor, you wrote to me and said, are you playing? Now, like, I just got the biggest smile on my face because I was like, is my boy Victor going to play? So I'm super happy to see that you managed to get there, find the time. So how did it pan out for you? What did you bring? Well, I did bring my trusty reanimator and that's also why I texted you because I needed to borrow Jewel from you to make that happen. Yeah, this was Ascension Day in uh, in Sweden as in most of Europe. So no work the day after, no picking up after school on this day. So that gives me a good hole of coming down to the LGS on a weeknight. And I want to shout out thanks to everyone who was so friendly and welcoming to, to see me there on a Wednesday, uh, Thursday. That was heartwarming for me. So thanks to everyone that I met. Yeah, we love you, Victor. Mm, oh, I love you guys so much. So I sit down for my first run. I go for a start that's I multi-six, pretty slow, sort of discard heavy hand, but I'm thinking this could sort of this could be something. I don't know what I'm facing. So I go ahead and grief them and quickly realize that I am playing against Mono White Stompy. <laughs> and this feels bad. <laughs> Yeah. In their hand, they have like that Arcan of Emeria. Emeria, yeah. And also that there's this Vigilance creature, 3-3 three, three for 3, 2 and a white, that you look at your opponent's hand when you cast it, and you get to name a card that then costs two more to play. It's so nasty. Yeah. And in, in my hand, I have Reanimate and Animate Dead. So I'm thinking, well, whichever one they choose, I will just play the other one because I have another land coming so I can reanimate my grief. Thing though is they, on their first turn, they play that card and they name my animate dead and then they have drawn a chalice. <laughs> and I have like, you know, faithless looting, <laughs> dark ritual. <laughs> you just need to get the four mana. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there really <laughs> quick against this, this deck that plays Wasteland. Yeah, no, it was, um, it didn't happen. Yeah, it's hard. And in game two, when I play Mono White Stompy and they have sideboarded <laughs> accordingly. Doesn't get better. It's like, I, I thought System on turn one and it's like Fairy Macabre, Arcanum Emeria, Containment Priest. <laughs> and and I have this show, show and tell plan sort of sideboarded into because I'm thinking there's going to be graveyard hate. But against that, it's like, unless I can brute force this with a lot of sort of spells, there is no way this is happening. And I had mulled to six into a similarly not sort of turn one hand yeah not fantastic that just sort of i had nothing i could do i scooped pretty quickly in that game because there is just the containment priest hits and you know there isn't much to say this is a this is a bad matchup they kept the good hands i mean they were like yeah i top deck the chalice but i'm like i mean it's in the deck you know like, what, what can i say that happens it's gonna be rough. that happens sometimes and in in game two also for the extra sort of blade twisting i was trying to get to to four mana to be able to cast animate dead and they flash in even mind sensor <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> I'm like, did you hit nope. on the fetch? Failed to find. <laughs> of course not. Failed to find. Of course not. <laughs> so that that's that's rough. Love to see even mind sensor going all the way in legacy. Gotta respect the hustle 
but man, that's nasty. Some people play opposition agent, other people play Avon Mind Sensor. <laughs> yeah, I guess that uh, Avon Mind Sensor is the more elegant and more civilized version. <laughs> like opposition agent is just such a douchey card. I, I I would say so. I would say so. I mean, having played a lot of white taxes in the past, I I gotta I gotta be happy for my opponent uh, getting that. No discussion. Two O is mowing over me. So then round two, I sit down and I play against Blue Red Delver, a matchup that I do consider to be a bit tricky. Uh, and my notes are a bit unclear here because one of the games apparently I have notes for two games but I know that I lost one too. So one of these games probably looks like me resolving something very quickly and my opponent scooping. I think that that's what happens in one of these games. Yeah, and I don't maybe a turn one Archon. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a turn one Archon. I don't know if it's game one or two, actually. I can't remember if they actually stole game one. I don't think so. I, I think they scoot very hard. Yeah, I think they scoot pretty quickly in game one, and then in game two and three, I just got. I mean, I I had some cold draws. I flooded out a bit. You know, you draw your petal and then dark ritual and then a fetch land and then another dark ritual, and you sit there and you're like, well, this isn't super nice. I have this grizzly in my graveyard, but that's not gonna help. And against blue red Delver with this deck, you don't have that kind of time. In game two, they resolved counterbalance as well, and that's really rough. And I go to sort of test it with a dark ritual, and they like flip to reveal surgical extraction. I'm like, okay, <laughs> fine, whatever. <laughs> Do you know if they they are still playing the unlicensed hers? Didn't see it, so no. I think it's it's gone out of fashion a bit. I don't know why, really. Perhaps perhaps surgical extraction is more versatile. Yeah, be- definitely better against the reanimator. But also, I think since Delver got iteration cut the need to have one of those haymakers in the sideboard for the mirror is not as necessary, even though it's still very good. In game three, I tried to resolve a turn one Voidwalker, and that failed. And I was like, it would have been good if it it sort of hit the board. If it gets countered, I'm sort of down a counterspell, and I have room for my real threats, but they had just more counterspells for my second threat and I couldn't rebuild. But it was clear that they were quite sort of uh, anxious about the Voidwalker. Yeah, of course. It makes eight of their threats really bad. Yes. So that was nice. Also, they had some some really nice... Yeah, I think I did... No, I didn't lose the first game, but they had some nice interactions with their deck when they sort of... They got their Dragon Rage channel shenanigans going they got to sort of mill their lightning bolts <laughs> and keep their cantrips <laughs> it was expertly done it is we discussed a bit afterwards back and forth like where is this matchup favored to i i find it difficult i mean i i can turn one i have a really good play but when once we get to turn four the game is usually over yeah they have so much like they're such an efficient deck they have really good answers they can dig for answers while presenting a very cheap clock so like getting to turn four for them means that they probably have free power in play and they have more cards in hand than you and most of them are disruptive yeah so that's really rough so round three i sit down and i play against cephalid breakfast this went as it usually does against this deck first game i discard pick their hand apart Resolve a gristle brand and they're like yeah okay that's that's that's, that's all cool she wrote. that's cool so I, I sort of I, I i did swamp dark ritual thought seize and tomb reanimate draw seven so i'm at three life 
but they have nothing so i i feel i feel fine and they're like nope nope let's just move on you have seen their hand you know that bolt doesn't exist game two they got to do what happens against this deck when I play it. They, they just have combo, turn two, and hello, combo. I have no removal in my deck. No, it just <laughs> happens, man. Yep, there we go. And in game three, I didn't have any powerful things going on, but I had discard, and they mulligan to four. I mean, I kept a seven with discard and a Voidwalker, because I'm thinking on the play, this could be good. And they just keep on mulliganing to four, and I'm thinking sort of, I mean, any deck will lose mulligan to four against discard. Yeah. But since I, I can go discard into Voidwalker into reanimate my grief for more discard into second Voidwalker, the beats just get there. But they basically play a nomad off of their one plane and that's that's what they played this game so it's a non-game i think i'm winning the game anyway because i have the voidwalker and discard yeah voidwalker is uh, you know they can't go for that fast combo and that's how you lose pretty much so i, I won sort of anyway but it felt really unfair when they take their third mulligan i see no lands it's just like ah uh, <laughs> that's hard that's hard in the last round again against blue delver quite a few blue delver players at the tables sort of yeah. for being our LGS it's usually sort of not a deck people like to play and a deck that also I think isn't really meta adapted to to the way we play in Stockholm but a lot of people brought it for this evening and this play was uh, quite new with the deck and I got to do really nice things in game one with uh, Arkan. Such a beating. Arkan is against... it's so quick. It's so quick. It's like after sort of untapping and, and considering passing the turn he's like but no no I'm just gonna lose my blocker to you and then I, i'm at nine yeah and i'm yeah <laughs> sorry mate there's no easy way to say this but it's already over it's gone and then in the second game i got to do basically the same thing arkan is just a fucking such house a beating. it's such, such a, a good card we discussed his his keep afterwards and it had like days brainstorm some things because we was thinking like should i mulligan more aggressively for the graveyard hate i think that my opponent played correctly because I need to discard or brute force through at least one counter spell. So if you have one counter spell and cantrips to find more, I mean that's I think that's relevant. Like what are you gonna do? Mulligan to two to two counter spells? If you don't find that, you're at five. You're only gonna have one counter spell guaranteed, and then it's basically over. So I mean the, the trick is they gotta they, they gotta just stop the initial wave. So so my I need to mulligan really hard for that wave because I have no option really. I can't just sit there and sort of dirtle for a couple of turns no nah, it's not that type of deck and, and in and in the second second game my opponent did the correct thing i think they played sort of ponder i think first turn and i went for land dark ritual and they dazed the dark ritual which i think is really correct because they're like you're not you're not gonna just sort of let that mana burn no, exactly <laughs> and, and then you have options yeah and the value of days decreases in value how strong that days is if the dark ritual resolves or we go into turn two that days is just gonna get so much worse so i would days that dark ritual any day because i was gonna go days dolphy thoughtsies yeah like it's you gotta days it it's a good play yeah but i won anyway again as i said i did have some some strong doors i, I think i i did a nice top deck because i fetched for swamp because I'm afraid of Wasteland, and I top tech to Badlands to get some looting going. So it's it's in the deck. It's in the deck. I also got a petal. So I mean, I I had my things, but still, it's um, yeah. That's super cool. Like you, uh, yeah, you're losing the first two uh, matches and then bouncing back against also pretty tricky matchups. Like you had such a stacked opponent lineup. 
going from mono white to yeah. <laughs> uh, delver breakfast delver i think cephalid is the easiest matchup here yep and it's still tricky yep it's still such a beating but unlike your tournament report that we heard on the last episode this day your uh, dotty void walkers got really busy yes and that's that's nice to hear i'm warmer and warmer on the card it's so nice it's great speaking of cyborgs this was the first time in a long time that i got the cyborg in my copy of massacre in, in the first uh, in the first match didn't draw it though would have helped because if i had a massacre there when they resolved sort of this and this and that i'm like oh now look at this four mana spell erasing your board but (laughs) nope and then we're looking at the power creep of legacy like that free mana card that you talked about like free free yeah (laughs) it's just massive too vigilance for for kicks yeah for kicks but yeah, that's uh, super cool. And yeah, I don't know. Last time I got massacred was in the Nationals 2021. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while since I got massacred or saw a massacred being played. So that's cool. That is all we have for this episode. Unfortunately, none of us made it as we had hoped to Lincoln, the great convention in Linköping that's uh, on for Ascension weekend. But adulting again put itself in the way for that. However, on 11th June, so that's pretty soon. There's going to be another European Legacy Masters qualifier here in Stockholm at Alphaspel. And that's a tournament we, of course, really hope we can make it to. If you did make it to Lincoln, do let us know in Discord how it played out for you. There is a link in this episode description. And in addition to Discord, you can hit us up on Twitter at STHLM Legacy, Stockholm Legacy. We're also present personally on social media as well. Christopher, where can our listeners find more staff of the storyteller stories from you? Yeah, I I don't tweet much about uh, staff, but maybe this is uh, my cue to start doing so. And you can find me on Twitter at monolithmtg. And you can find me on Twitter at Disco Drogo. And that is the end of the 88th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Christopher Wikström. I am Victor Bernards. Special thanks to you for listening. As always, the great Freanas has written our music. You can find more of their work on Spotify. Until our next episode, don't hate the player. Mulligan for Graveyard Hate.